On August 21, 2019, Alexander Grab launched the very first episode of SAP Experts Podcast. And today marks the episode 111 of the podcast. We had to bring the original founder back for this special number episode. Today, Alexander will share what it is like to be launching a technology podcast with a relatable coffee chat format back when it was still something niche in the software as a service world. We will also discuss the three-legged stool that SAP, our partners and our customers form while crossing the transformation chasm. As customer advisory lead and renowned tech evangelist, Alexander has collected vast experience in customer-centric strategy implementation, processes, and technology at SAP and several leading business consulting companies for the past two decades. Having implemented digital transformation programs and strategic customers from the shop floor to the C-level have helped him gain in-depth knowledge of best practices and help customers gain the unfair competitive advantage. Being the author of several publications in Digitalist Magazine and Forbes, as well as keynote speaker at global conferences and events such as Sapphire, have made him a sought-after thought leader and trusted advisor for many of SAP's customers. At Western Ahir Consulting, he is responsible for sharpening Western Ahir's profile as value-driven to-go SAP consulting and implementation partner for customers that are not satisfied by approaching their digitization initiative as a lean migration, but want to put the horsepower of digitization and SAP's next-generation ERP fully to the strength to become digital champions. As always, my name is Akshay Mola, and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Alexander, or should I say, welcome back. Is it really the episode 111? It is. And guess what, wow. Alexander? You began the SAP Experts Podcast journey in 2019. So this is your brainchild all the way up to episode 111. It was your passion project, and now it's my passion project. Actually, a little bit like you, you're coming back to an, to an apartment where you used to live in. Right. And so you look around and say, okay, they, 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 they changed maybe the wallpapers and right. so on. Um, but it's still the apartment. And that's, that's really the great thing. I follow you, what you do. And I'm always surprised like how, how long this has gone now and that there, the momentum is still there and growing and so on from day to day. I, I said I was thinking about, okay, I have to survive the first seven episodes. Yeah, that was my goal in the beginning and see how it runs and see how it, how people react, react to it. Right. And like uh, being the guest, especially with a one, one, one podcast, of course, that's episode. That's, that's a big, big honor. So I'm humbled to be here. Thank you very much. Of course, of course. We couldn't have given you just a regular number. We had to give you a cool number. Thank you. So, <laughs> here you are. And, you know, you got me thinking when you said that it's coming, like coming back to an old apartment and seeing the changes that somebody else has made. Mm. But it's not just, to me, it's not as simple as that either. It's like looking at your own baby, if I may say so, and have someone else raise it. And sometimes, you know, you might have feelings about it. And sometimes it can be hard to let go. So, you know, I was reading this book uh, a few years ago. It's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he goes on about how level five leaders, they always set up their projects and their companies for success, even when they're leaving. And that's yeah. a very, very important uh, thing to have. Do not be so charismatic that once you leave, whenever you started, it falls flat. 
So exactly. talk to me about your feelings around that and how important it was for you to set it up for success that your passion project project keeps going. Um, you 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 said some very 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 true words because I think success when you start a project um, it's all about is it at some point able to multiply? Yeah, is it? It should become bigger than yourself. Yeah, if it's just you, then to be honest, that's that's not enough. Then it's that's just like an ego vehicle or something like this. Um, that's why. I, of course, it was very important to me that uh, to find good people who want to carry on in that spirit, yeah, and to to really um, have recognized what made it so successful, and uh, then add their own spin to it. And uh, of course, by this being able to put this another gear into another gear and and accelerate even more, because. Uh, of course, it, it's maybe maybe it's it's a baby or something like a baby, but. Yeah, you have to let your children go and exactly. develop themselves from a from a time. And um, of course, that's why um, I'm not really emotional about this. Of course, there's still a lot of heart in it. I really, I'm happy every Monday morning when I see this bling popping up <laughs> in my iPhone, like new episode. And yeah, it's going on again. It's continuing. Journey is not yet finished. Um, and I'm I'm really happy how it's how it's going. So you you all do a fantastic job, and and I'm grateful absolutely what you're doing and um i'm looking for yeah probably returning back at episode 222 or something like this <laughs> <laughs> well of course 222 is uh, already it's uh, you said it it is already reserved for you but of course we would love to have you before that as well we're not going to wait thank you very much hundreds some episodes to have you back but thank you, you know that really begs the question alexander that for us, all of us co-hosts, it was easier, the All-Stars team, because you had already started something. But how was your experience starting something like this, especially back when it was still considered avant-garde, at least in the corporate software-as-a-service space? Um, well, the, there were basically two reasons why I started this. Uh, first, I love podcasts um, because when I'm on travel, when I'm journey, when I'm a car, on a plane, and so on. At, at a certain level, you cannot really listen to radio anymore because it's the, the news are always rewarding. And to be honest, mm -hmm. the news are not really, really uh, positive in the last year. So um, I prefer really to yeah learn things, to listen to great things other people tell me by podcasts. And as such, I really love the format. From the style, I always loved more, to be honest, not really the, the business podcasts, like the corporate podcasts, because in my opinion, there are still very, very few entertaining corporate podcasts, um, is, even in the tech sector, although they're putting huge effort in it and, and, and money and stuff and technology. And, and it's sometimes still the soul is missing because... Um, Many podcasts, uh, also at SAP, to be honest, when you listen through it, and I know I'm now a little bit probably more critical than I'm having the right to, but I think the moment when you can call or name your podcast the 30-minute solution brief, hmm. um, I'm thinking the podcast is not the right format for you. Yeah, um, I, I did not see at that time, for example, a podcast in that in that style, in that format, how I really liked and enjoy it being um, entertaining and uh, especially um, a, 
being a conversation about people who are on the same level, right. not an interview style, but really a conversation where you have the feeling that you are a part of it or you want to be a part of it because you're sitting on a table, like you're having your beers or your coffees and so on. And you want to be, feel, you want to feel part of a conversation between experts uh, that does not really exist. And to be honest, I still think in there are more of that, um, but um, it's still a niche. Let's call it like this. Um, that was one thing. There was definitely a, a niche that did not exist. Uh, that was empty and that probably waited to be filled. And the other part was that I was at that time, and, and still am in many cases, of course, um, was not really happy about focus of certain um, of certain areas which are relevant. Yeah, mm -hmm. like um, it's, it's quite natural. SAP, for example, is a product company. Of course, what you're telling most about that product and so on. But a product is a tool and of course with a tool they're coming there's coming a lot of things and uh, you have to be able to use this tool and there are things to you can do wrong and there are a lot of things you can do right and i always were yeah from my also my past uh, focusing on what are actually the things that have best in practice uh, best in class performers Mm -hmm. common yeah what what right. what does does make it them that yeah i want to learn that so i try to distill it out of anything um what i've done and then that's basically the topics that i was interested in like um transporting to outside through a channel um what what makes the difference right yeah what what are the things that you should do and what are the things you should not do what are the stumbling stones that you should avoid and this was not really and in many cases still not really is in some cases, the content that is delivered. And um, since I was missing this kind of, let's say, communication, I, of course, said my, from my side, um, if it's not really done, I will do it myself. Yeah. That's basically how the podcast started. I, let's say, asked marketing for a budget for the equipment. And then I, let's say, I waited, to be honest, half a year because I wanted to train myself. I have, not, I have not yet done this before. I've done my keynotes and all the stuff, but right. not really a podcast. And I did some dry runs, to be honest. That's a very German way, of course, to start it uh, with dry runs and so on. And uh, because the, the first episodes I did were plainly awful. Yeah, um, I... I gladly had friends like who support me, who played the guests in the first podcasts and so on. And um, the first results were really awful. Um, but that trained me. And so I learned, like, um, I got used to my voice and to the sound of it. I learned, like, what's, what is good from my side, what is bad from my side, what should I, where should I up the game? Yeah. And uh, then I felt um, ready and prepared and said, okay, this is probably now at a quality level that other people would enjoy. And so I went for it. And then, like I said, I planned for seven episodes. And when... I got too much feedback, like, dude, that sucks. Stop it, please. Oh, my uh, God. I would have done it. Um, but interestingly, it, it took off like a rocket. And I would yeah. have never thought I would come up to these kinds of numbers of listeners. And uh, it, it really became a thing of its own. And right. um, that's a good thing, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, there's so many things that you said which were so relatable. And I think that's the podcast's superpower, the fact that it is relatable. Yeah. It doesn't sound speechy, preachy. 
interviewee. It sounds like a real conversation that you would have with your friends over a cup of coffee. And that's what really did stand out for me as well. And that's what I try to replicate as well. But with that said, Alexander, ever since you started, how would you say the podcasting ecosystem has evolved within the SAP ecosystem? Oh, it's, you, you just have to look at, for example, opensap.com. Mm -hmm. And you see the sheer number of podcasts that exist there. And uh, they're really, really, really great ones there. But, but the sheer number, of course, it's right. just the quantity of it. It's impressive. Yeah, they are, they're absolutely mushrooming. Of course, um, the pandemic helped um, because yeah, suddenly all in the beginning of 2020, suddenly all the on-site meetings were not possible anymore. And basically each and every area was panicking and like, wow, we, we, we need to, to communicate to our customers. And everybody then was looking to, for new channels and right. um, many found the podcast as a fruitful channel. Is this in many cases the right motivation? To be honest, not. No. Because I think you should not do a podcast for a podcast's sake. Um, sure. This is something which definitely will not work. Definitely, it's it, it, it has, for, for example, a podcast like the SAP Experts podcast, it has advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantage, of course, is the, the visibility is, is always, of course, a little bit diminishing if there's a huge mass where... Um, Areas are coming into it who have a huge budget and the marketing team supporting them and so on and so on. But I think this is always just temporary. In the end, quality wins. True. And as such, this is a competition, the SAP Experts podcast. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, 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 love uh, getting your stamp of approval on that. And of course, I love the fact that we, our ecosystem is expanding so much because yeah. I like a friendly competition. It keeps you motivated. Absolutely. You know, I, I can never fall off my game. And 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 you need that. You you do not have that that cookie cutter which works for everybody. And I'm asking no. you, what I have done and what 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 we are doing is not something for anybody. And it's great to see, for example, some shout out to Christian Michel, yeah, um, who does things completely different yeah, and right. has a completely unique style, which is very interesting. Which would not be mine because I'm not him. No, I cannot be him, and uh, he's doing it in a very, very interesting right. way. But he adds so much great and positive things, um, which is uh, an enrichment. Yeah, right. So, um, of course, you can take a look at it. You can learn. You can take on your things for you um, that you also, of course, can add to your own uh, right. toolbox and podcasting. But, but, but I would not really say it as a... Yeah, competition. Is this a friendly competition? It's more a... It's a collaboration. I it's a collaboration. It's, it's, it's an ecosystem where we all exist and learn from each other. And we don't, internally, we do share best practices a lot of times and we shout each other out. So we love this collaborative ecosystem that we have created. But speaking of our ecosystem, Alexander, I have to ask you, and I'm kind of a little uh, nervous while asking you this question. What is on your wish list for the future direction of SAP Expert Podcast in particular. But also, you know, you had so many opinions regarding how tech podcasts were back in the day, how they are now. So what's on mm -hmm. your wish list in general for uh, the podcasts coming out of the software as a service uh, community? I think the most important thing uh, is uh, resist the branding. Mm. Um, because I think this is something which happens naturally. Uh, if you are within a corporate 
environment, especially which is which has a very strong brand. Um, and this is a good thing that SAP has a very strong brand. It stands for something and so on. The problem is, and this is the bad side, back side of the metal, that sometimes this even if if it's promoted like this, but in my opinion, it's it's the the the, the contrary. It really can tone down the diversity. Yeah, because there is a certain look, there's a certain feel, there's a certain wording, there are is a certain style and um, to really remain unique and say like I'm my own brand yeah I'm a competition of one I'm my own thing um, this I think is crucial to remain true to what you are what you have as a product because your podcast in a certain way is also a product and people expect something from you yeah they have listened listened to you for 111 plus episodes and when you suddenly become something of a marketing um yeah marketing um voice you probably would lose many right. yeah um so i think that's the important thing remain diverse also remain in a certain way of course provocative maybe a bit yeah because authentic and authentic this is one of the the very few areas where things can remain grassroots in a certain way. Yeah. Where not everything is like filtered yeah. when it's going outside, but where it's still raw. And that's what, what customers and the ecosystem expects from us, from SAP. I'm still saying us, but from SAP, yeah, more of that where they say, I do not, I want to have less marketing um, flavored stuff. I want more the real thing. I want to have people. I want to have experts. I want to have their opinion and, and right. grow on based on their expertise. And I think this is a very important thing. Um, always favor the expertise before the branding. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. One was the authenticity. And the second thing yeah. that you said was us. And the fact that you're still seeing us, and that's very important because the next thing I wanted to switch gears to was the topic of business transformation and the partners. They're also a part of us. I would say that I would go out there and be that provocative because they are. It's really true. true. And I wanted to grab the partner's perspective into this topic. But uh, Alexander, as they say, charity always begins at home. So tell us a little bit about your company, Western Acher. I don't know whether I did that right, but no you know worries. what? Uh, you know what? We will get the right pronunciation from Alexander. He's right here and he will tell us a little bit more about the company and how the transformation over there is going. Yeah, the, the correct pronunciation, and I'm absolutely sure it's very difficult for a non-German speaker, is Westernacher. 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 The audience, I must say, I was practicing beforehand with Alexander, but here we are. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> ten minutes later, um, no, it's it's a name from from the the founder was Mr. Westernacher, and uh, Westernacher itself it's actually even three years older than SAP. It was founded in like 1969, um, and it was at that time in the yeah more let's say the hardware and the product space and uh, more in the IBM related stuff. Yeah, but but uh, in the beginning of the 90s, yeah, they switched over to SAP, become an SAP partner and have their area and their brand where they are excelling, especially in the supply chain management area. Um, so all the EWM part, warehouse management, transportation management, and so on, where definitely we are the 
shop to go if you are interested in there. Um, we have like 900 people. Um, so we are not one, of course, of the biggies, but we also know, of course, one of the small one. I think this is a perfect size where you, when you're working at this partner or when you are, for example, working with a, a customer, um, can really do great things because you're not having this kind of big ship, yeah, which may sometimes a little bit difficult, um, but it's big enough uh, to make the big projects and to make the big programs. And um, as such, this is quite a sweet spot for me. But what you're doing now, and which is my job, um, we are transforming Westernacher at the moment. And this is a program which is going on now since a year. And we have already now the first results. And um, well, it's about creating a special SAP partner. Yeah, somebody who, especially in that area, does not really exist where we are because we are especially in the mid-market area. And um, it's basically what it's all about is being or becoming, and this is our goal, the number one value-adding digital transformation partner of SAP, which in the end means like when you are doing the project with us, when you are doing business with us, in the end, we decide together what is, um, if we have been successful and the success is measured by if you are able to do things you were not able to do before. Now, because this is in my case, in my eyes, uh, the big central issue and probably we'll talk later about this again, that right. many digital transformation initiatives, and this means implementation projects and so on, result in subpar results hmm. from my perspective. It's about people continue to do the same things they did all the time before, right. maybe better because they are new technology and so on, but it's not that they are put in a position, the users, that they are oh. doing things that they were not able to do before. Right. And this is in a nutshell, basically, what is our mission? And um, it's really going strong in the market. Customers are excited about this. We have tremendous feedback. And um, my biggest problem is getting probably <laughs> like finding finding the consultants uh, to, to staff the projects because uh, the, the feedback is very, very extremely good. Um, but this is the journey we are setting on. And um, I'm really thrilled about that yeah because it's, it's huge fun of course to do when do you have the chance to transform a 900 people company that's awesome yeah that that is wonderful indeed to start from good and making it great i think that's uh, the theme that we can uh, keep on going with today and alexander you just hinted at it a little bit and i really wanted to dissect it the fact that sap partners and customers they together work as a three-legged stool when it comes to business transformation and, you know, you spoke about sometimes that subpar results happen. And since it is a three-legged stool, everybody has to pull up their own weight. So what would you say uh, the roles each of them should be playing? Uh, what kind of weight each, each one should be taking on? What are the best practices that each should follow? Customers, partners, and SAP ourselves to create this meaningful business transformation? Um, I think this is a, this is a quite... It's a it's a loaded one, <laughs> and yes, and quite loaded loaded question. Where do we start? Um, I think the the basic issue is that you are absolutely right. Um, the SAP ecosystem consists of basically three 
elements like SAP itself, the SAP ecosystem, which is the SAP partners and the customer. So the SAP ecosystem more is, is, is all three and we have the partners, SAP and the customers. Um, we need each other. SAP needs his, his partners because um, we are basically the force out there. We are there on the front and, and, and doing all the realization. Um, but we have, of course, we are all in one in the same boat. Yeah, especially with, with the customers. And what we also have, of course, is ourselves, not only legacy systems we work with, but of course, a legacy, let's call it tradition, a legacy mindset that is existing mm -hmm. with the SAP ecosystem. And the mindset are, yeah, or is consisting of, of several things, like, for example, that in many cases, SAP is talking with the IT of a customer. And this is quite easy to see, like when you are At an SAP customer, when, you, when you're walking around and so on, where do you see the SAP mugs? Yeah, the mugs with the SAP logo. Right. Um, in most of the cases, you unfortunately do not see them in the business areas. Like you mm -hmm. see them with the IT department, but not at the business department. Yeah, because SAP talks traditionally with the IT. And that's also what, what the partners are doing because quite often the partners are doing exactly the same that SAP does. Yeah, And uh, it's such something like uh, nobody really questioned this in many cases yeah even the customers uh, quite often do not question this anymore they are i've seen this when i was in that position at sap when i did the customer advisory and 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 all the um um workshops with customers from business to c level they were surprised when you demanded to talk to the to the business departments yeah because they were not used to that but that's something which is a legacy mindset which, which comes that These kinds of systems, these kinds of legacy areas like we had were traditionally managed by IT and you had that kind of, let's say, IT delivers these services to, to, the, to the business. Um, but this is yesterday, especially with the advent of cloud, with software as a service and so on. The whole momentum is shifting. The role of IT is changing and new players come to the market. Like, for example, you, you realize now when you, for example, look at the IT, that the IT at the customer most of the times is... Uh, measured by KPIs which are going full on efficiency and not on effectiveness. Right. Right? It's all about delivering a service for a minimum of cost. Yeah, right. And if you are able to pull the costs down, then you are as a CIO, you are successful. Yes. Unfortunately, the CIO is not always as strategic as he would like to be. And this is something of the big yeah, lies we tell ourselves often. <laughs> is always strategic. No, unfortunately, it's not. Because if the CIO would be as strategic as he would like to be, what would we need a CDO for? Yeah, who is basically the strategic twin of, of the CIO. So that, that all results in a certain area, in, in a certain, yeah, let's call it atmosphere that we talk based on, we talk to the IT, we talk our topics and how we are proposing the software, the digital transformation is mainly focusing on efficiency gains, which is the bottom line. It's about bringing the bottom line down. And uh, this results in how the whole communication within the initiatives is running, how the whole setup is running, and as such also, of course, how the results are in the end. Um, and one of the phenomenons that you have, for example, here is an... Uh, thing called the trap value gap and the trap value gap is um, when you approach a technology you of course find out quite 
fast that right. the transformation is not an off-on switch. Yeah, if you are implement something, you will have if you do it with three part with three customers or three adopters, you will right. have three different results because not everybody um, approaches technology in the same way. Right. But some really embrace it. Some really um, try to leverage the capabilities for them that a new technology offers. And some are just doing um, the minimum necessary things right. yeah, to do this step onwards. So if you have something like a chart, you have... Um, something like a normal business evolution, which is a graph, which is going quite flat, which shows what you are exceeding as a value if you're just doing the minimum necessary things. Yeah. And then there's another graph, which is like exponential, which is the potential that basically technology offers you. And of course, you will never be able to fully arrive at the upper side and so on, right. because uh, that would have been a huge effort. But um, just imagine if, if right. most of the players within an industry just are doing the minimum things necessary. And there is one who says, I'm seeing this as a chance. Going on a new ERP system, this is now a one in 10 year opportunity. So right. if you are now doing the right decision, if we are now setting the focus right, so we are more upside up there and, and, and leverage more of the benefits, probably we gain capabilities that enables us to, yeah, doing a leapfrog within our Absolutely. company. And I think this is something which is quite often overlooked. And um, there are certain things which you can consider and which you should approve. And there are certain best practices. And we are now in this whole complex with the right. um, efficiency and effectiveness talk, um, what you should do. But you should really, and this is my strong belief, use this opportunity and try to not look at the application for application's sake or for right. technology's sake, but at first ask yourself, why I'm doing this? Right. And what is this tool for? What, what, what am I up to? And that's, that's like the conversations I always did and are trying to do. We are not right. talking with a customer about the application, but talking about the application without talking about it by first listening and yeah, asking yeah. like, What's your strategy? What does your customers expect from you? Like, what are your competition? What is your competition up to? Or what did you learn in the last three years with Corona, with cracking down supply, disrupted supply chains and so on? What are the capabilities that you learn that you need to not only survive the next years, but to be able to cope with the challenges of the 21st century? And then you come into a discussion, which is not really IT-minded, no. But turns out to be not about efficiency, but about effectiveness, right, yeah? right. about rising the top line, about being the quantifiable able to value. Really, and now you are in the in the absolute essence of that. You are asking yourself, what is then the value of doing digital transformation? Right. And the problem is that we all of us, and we all of us are guilty in that aspect. We by far went just for the efficiency for the bottom line side. Yeah, and why? Yeah. Because it's the easiest way to do it. Discuss about what are you doing now, and if you are continuing to do the same thing, and you're adding a new technology on it, how much am I better after this? This is a right. classic right. business case, and and most of the time, all the business cases are like this. But the problem is that's that's not the point. You should not continue to do the same things you did all the time because you define these processes for to implement a strategy you probably do not even remember. Or you were 
or your old style of working and your processes, they were just there because the limitations of the legacy technology did not allow any other way to work. Yeah. So the results that come out there, and that's all the time the problem with these TCO calculators and so on. You are making yourself worse than you are. Right. Yeah, because when you come from a different aspect and seeing like, what can I do now completely different if I fully leverage the capabilities, then you are really in that aspect that you are able to um, disrupt whole industries. Then you are able to leapfrog ahead of your competition. And then this whole business um case talk doesn't really work because you are not in, in, in a cost case discussion anymore, but you are in a strategic discussion anymore. And right. a strategic discussion, and that's how it turns out is in many cases the best way to do it's about giving the customer a really clear point of view. How is future way of working will look like? And then talk about with them what is it worth to him? Right. Come like this. And this is a complete different discussion. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not just about bottom line anymore. Like what are your challenges and let's get rid of those challenges, but it's also about really thinking about the top line. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be five years from now? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? And forget about where perhaps you personally might be okay with being, but where your industry will be, whether or not you're ready for it. Exactly. So where's and the top line? It's it's always like a, like an ice hockey player. A good ice hockey player does not go there where the puck at the moment is. Right. Because the puck is so fast, he would not, not reach it anyway. Yeah? Um, yeah. A good ice hockey player tries to anticipate where the puck is going to be. And as such, yeah, the most important success factor for doing successful digital transformation is looking, look ahead. Yeah. Right. Don't look back, look ahead. Yep. For successful digital transformation, we cannot just be obsessing over the bottom line, but we also have to go hand in hand with the top line as well as the green line, which is sustainability. That is also something we cannot afford to ignore. Which, anymore, which right? is now, by the way, exactly the third one, uh, the third level of optimization. And it's good that you mentioned it because um, this is about a complete new dimension. Of yeah, it's a paradigm about shift. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shift and it's about justification that we want to earn money also in the future and to, to bring our businesses, our way of earning money on a level where we are able to do this without harming our future. And this is, for example, something which is um, unfortunately not really a big topic in these digital transformation yet at all. And we have to be very honest about this. Uh, of course, there's a lot of greenwashing is doing done. Everybody is, of course, having his, um, for marketing's sake, his, his Yeah, the virtue signaling aspect. Um, exactly. Yeah, but when it's about like spending money to really implement uh, CO2 monitors and so on, then suddenly, yeah, the people, of course, <laughs> are really reluctant to do it. But this will change yeah, because, uh, again, the lawmaker is is giving here um, it's giving here the speed and um, now companies realize that suddenly in the beginning of 2023, they have to report numbers where most of them do not really even know where they are hidden right. within, their, um, within their company. And um, I know that everybody's at the moment now looking for how to become part of this market. But I think at least for this year, the most important part is like um, finding a way to... Um, to 
grab and make purpose out of these numbers, to know where they are, to know how to report them, to know how to work with them and how to include them into our day-to-day steering and into your strategy and into your business development, how you want to transform your company in a more sustainable way. And uh, this is absolutely the third dimension in that. Absolutely. And now that we're talking about the different dimensions, uh, one of the ways one can also approach digital transformation is through a modular approach. And that's what we try to do with Rise with SAP. So what is the role of Rise with SAP within digital transformation? And I want to hear that, especially from a partner's perspective. I'm now very, very subjective. (laughs) (laughs) I really like Rise because um, I think Rise is a very, very good thing um, because that's what we needed for years. Um, But why? What, What is the need and what is it? Rise is an offering and products and the products that are within that are the beginning and the end of a, of, of a journey. Um, but you have, of course, a thing in between. And this is, of course, where you still need non-artificial intelligence yeah, by people who know how to take this great offering and make the best out of it. And to be honest, um, the my favorite way to explain the basic of the purpose of rice is, um, and I know it sound maybe sound a little bit stupid, but um, the perfect um, analogy is um, in the. I'm unfortunately old enough to remember quite vividly the late '90s, and in the late '90s um, there were the first like pl- plasma televisions coming up, which had the huge. Um, screen right. on and uh, now of course they all were doing um, marketing saying like a home cinema feeling without needing a projector but this didn't really turn out the experience the expected experience did not turn out because you have of course you had that that huge screen but the the image that you saw the quality was absolutely awful yeah, because everybody still had their old vhs players the sound also was not really pleasant uh, because you the, the tiny speakers of the television were not really cinema-like at all. So the experience, what you wanted out of it, uh, was not there. So how did the retailers back then react to that? Um, they, they found out about the problem and they said like, okay, what we are offering there are bundles, are offerings, like offerings who guarantee you when you are doing them right, a certain experience as a result. So you did not get um, just a television, for example, but they also got you within this kind of uh, product, a DVD player, which worked perfectly with it and a Dolby surround system. And when you then bought this offering and installed it and made it run and so on, you really had that kind of a certain home cinema feeling. And in a certain way, Rise with SAP is not too different because in the past, in many cases, yeah, there as for HANA licenses or subscriptions were sold, but unfortunately, not the SAP Business Technology Platform, which is absolutely necessary yeah, to, if you want to do it right, to implement your individuality in a sustainable, uh, feasible way. yeah, Because for several reasons, like the customer was not able to, to, or was not really getting the value out of it, or let's say the people who were there at the customer um, or the account executive um, had pressure to close this deal in this quarter, and he said, like, okay, I'm fine with just selling the license for the ERP, and he did not care for the BTP anymore. And so the customer, in the end, was missing important um, components of 
an architecture that he would need to, and this is then the experience in a certain way, to get that result so that he has um, um, that he has basically an entrance door uh, to, to become a digitalized enterprise. And this is what RISE is all about, giving you basically everything that you need. But still, it's on you yeah. to make this real because it's still not an off-on switch and you need partners who still know about how to put life into it how to implement it, how what, to know what the best practices are to um, leverage fully the benefits out of it. And um, that's why the partner ecosystem is so important in that aspect, because that's where it's up on us. Yeah, That's where SAP cannot really help us there. Absolutely. And it's wonderful to hear it from a partner's pers uh, perspective on this as well. The way I always think about this and what Arise means uh, for me is being an Indian, you know, the way we eat uh, food, the way we consume, it's uh, through a thali. And what a thali mm -hmm. means, uh, Alexander, is that it's it's a big plate and you have small, small, small quantities of what know, you yes. would want to oh, consume, right? Colorful. Right. Yeah. And it's okay. like, you know, I want to, I get bored if it's just, say, mac and cheese. I'd like to have a variety. Yeah. So I want my bread. I want a little bit of rice, a little bit of everything. And mm -hmm. I get to have my own. And I want different modules which work the best for me. And I like that level of flexibility that one can have with rice as well. But again, here there's a backside. And the yeah. backside is in, in the past, it turned out that sometimes getting more options and even more options is not mm -hmm. really what helps you. Yeah, yeah, because that's what feedback I got from customers, for example, when I was right. at SAP, that they said like, yeah, it's fantastic to have these kind of many options, but that's not really what we need. We need right. a clear um, a clear vision mm -hmm. transported. What of that is in which scenario the right thing for me to choose? And right. that was also what, of course, in many cases, the SAP ecosystem like or the partner ecosystem is criticized for that too many partners have laid back and, mm -hmm. and, and remain at a position of being something of a technical um, service provider. Like customer, tell me what you do, uh, tell me what I shall do and I will execute it in a highly efficient way. That's how a big part of the ecosystem is basically working. But what many customers now, even more when we have cloudification and so when so many more right. Construction sites are turning up and so many more parameters. Um, they need guidance. They said we do not need a partner who is passive, but we need one who is really doing consulting work, who is yeah, being a trusted advisor. Exactly. Who is who is an advisor and who is also like doing sparring, who is challenging us. And um there we have to be more, more um, of course, uh more direct, more let's call it aggressive, yeah, telling customers, look. Let's do sparring. I know you. I'm your partner. I'm your SAP implementation partner. I know where you could be better. And also like putting really a finger into that wound, saying like, look, in there and there, for example, there's, that's where you're not jumping far enough. You could do more. You could be better. And as such, yeah, building something of a uh, sparring that in the end offers a far more yeah. um, or far better, better result. Absolutely challenging so that we yeah. cross the innovation chasm together. Exactly. That's what yeah. they want. Yeah. Absolutely. So with that said, as we come closer to the end of this episode, I wish we could just talk forever. But Alexander, what is something that we did not talk about today that you would like to share with our audience 
And of course, our audience would love to follow you. They already know you. So where can they follow you now? Um, I think the best way to contact me, to follow me would be LinkedIn yeah, because I'm most active there. So when you when you are entering alexander.greb, there's a quite a big chance that you are yeah, finding me. I would be happy to get in contact with you. I would be always happy to get feedback, to do sparring, to discuss with you about how we are as a ecosystem are able to evolve value for our customers. Where are all these, let's say, gems hidden mm-hmm. of um, wisdom on how to do things right? And I'm looking forward and um, yeah, I'm looking forward for every new episode of the SAP Experts podcast. And we're looking to having you back. But with that said, thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.